My friends, good morning. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm the new priest in Muncie. My name is Father Cody. Uh, and kidding aside, uh, I, I hope you don't have breakfast plans already because we're going to be here a while. We have a lot to cover in this homily this morning. Some people just looked at each other like, wait, is he serious? Yes. Uh, I want to begin with our gospel today. It begins uh, seemingly as, as just a sort of introduction to a story. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Which seems like the beginning of a story. Only here's the thing. It's not the beginning of this story. It actually interjects as a cut in the middle of the story. What happens right before this is Jesus is teaching about profound truth. It gets more and more serious, more and more grave as he's going along. Uh, if, you, if you are a teacher in a school or if you've been a parent to children, then you'll know this experience, I promise you, where you are trying to communicate something to those kids, something important, something they need to listen to because it's going to have a serious bearing on them. And then you say, okay, do you understand? And they respond, I have to go to the bathroom. And then you're not so sure that they were actually listening. This is Jesus who proclaims this profound truth and ends with saying, so whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will receive no forgiveness. Then someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. This is why Jesus interjects and says, well, friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? In other words, I don't think you get it. I don't think you were paying attention. Then he warns the crowd. He says, take care to guard against all greed, for though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Don't worry about all of that stuff. We have other things, weightier things, that we must be concerned about. That person in the crowd was uh, not heeding the words of St. Paul from the second reading, where he said, think of what is above, not of what is on earth. Or, as Christ suggests at the end of his parable, kind of a haunting parable this morning, wasn't it? He said, be rich in what matters to God. And that's important. Pay attention to and be rich in what matters to God. So, what matters to God? Because that sounds like a pretty simple command. Okay, so go do it. And what would you do? What matters to God? How be rich in that? Can I tell you? What matters to God most of all in the world is the relationship that you have with him. What matters to God most in the world is the relationship that you have with him. 
And this, then, is the thing that you've got to be rich in. Now, when I say that, that's not just a, a frou-frou, feel-good sort of comment to say, you know, just have a good relationship with them and go on and it's fine. No. No, what this means is that we've got work to do. Anyone who's tried to maintain a serious and important relationship before knows that it's not something that just happens. You have to work to maintain it. So, let's begin this way. As St. Paul suggests in the second reading, get to work on cutting out those parts of life that absolutely cannot be a part of your relationship with God. There are some things that just won't fit between you and God. St. Paul says, put to death those parts that are earthly. He mentions immorality, impurity, passions for evil desire, greed, that is idolatry, because you cared about a thing more than God. He says, stop lying. So you and me, together, huh? let's agree this morning. Let's get that out of here. Let's cut it out. Cut out all those parts that cannot have a place in your relationship with God and grow instead in the riches of the things that matter to God. Now, hearkening back to all of you who have tried to maintain a serious relationship before, when you have a serious relationship, is it enough to just cut out the stuff that your partner doesn't like? Oh, he really doesn't like it when I bite my nail, so I'm going to stop. Oh, good. Now everything's great. No, you can't just cut out the bad stuff. You also have to work for the things that the other person does like, the things that do matter to them, to make those things a part of your life. So what matters to God? What's something that will, will resonate with his heart? What do you think? Love people well. Love people well, especially the poor and the vulnerable and the sick. And pray. Talk to him a lot so that your relationship with him may grow and take priority in your life. So that it's not just a, well, yeah, of course I love God. Actually, it will become something that you, you really can't go without during the course of your day. Okay? Good. So, the conclusion to this section of the homily is stop doing bad stuff and start doing good stuff. Okay? Easy enough? Sound good. Um, but what about all the other stuff? It's easy to say, make sure you pray. And it's easy to say, stop sinning. But what about all the stuff that seems neutral? What about all the stuff that seems like it doesn't really have a part to play, that it doesn't really matter that much? What about, uh, what about your haircut, for example? Does that have an effect on your relationship with God? What about, uh, what about your job, uh, where you work and how you do your job? What about your schoolwork or making sure that you're up to date or that you're actually understanding and passing your classes? What about... Uh, what about your sports fandom? Does it matter if you like Notre Dame or Michigan? Does this have a part to play in your relationship with God? What about what you're going to have after you leave here from Mass? You're going to go have a brunch somewhere? 
Does it matter if you get orange juice or coffee or both? What do you do with all of the stuff that seems neutral? Here's what you do. Make sure it's not neutral anymore. Don't allow it to be neutral. Because if it's neutral, then what you're essentially saying is it's something separate from my relationship with God. It's something that doesn't belong to my relationship with God. And if it's neutral in that way, then it's not neutral in a bad way. Rather, make sure that every aspect of your life is something you give over to God. Maybe that means a pregame prayer before you watch a game. Maybe it means a grace before meals. Or maybe it means making sure that you're well recollected during your job. Because for all of those seemingly neutral things, if they are apart from God, they are valueless. I want to say that again because I want the drama of that statement to really sink in. I want you to be furious that I just said that or be completely convicted and broken down in tears. The things in your life that seem neutral, if they are apart from God, they have no value at all. This is what you heard in the first reading today. Uh, the author, Koheleth, says, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Earlier this week, when Father Underwood first saw uh, my new hairdo, he sent me this verse, Vanity of vanities. Um, being ironic, but let me, let me clarify. Do you know what the author of Ecclesiastes means by the word vanity here? What does he mean when he says vanity of vanities? Sounds like just scripture talk. He's not talking about a vanity mirror, like, you know, being absorbed in yourself. You're so vain. What he means, he uses that word in a way more like when you do something in vain. Huh? You try to accomplish this task, but it was in vain. You know what that means? Can you imagine a situation like that? That means I tried to do this, but it amounted to nothing. That's what he means when he says vanity. He says vanity of vanities. All things are vanity. Apart from God, all things amount to nothing. He says here is one who has labored with wisdom and knowledge and skill. Ooh, those sound like good things, don't they? You like being wise, parishioners of St. Lawrence? You enjoy your wisdom? Hey, that's great. But if that wisdom is apart from God, then guess what happens to it at the end of the day? It follows you down into the grave, and then it's not so wise anymore, is it? What about all the skills you build up in your life? You take time, you study under some sort of person, you apprentice, you watch all the YouTube videos, and you figure out how to do the tasks, and then uh, you have all these skills. Pretty nice to have skills, isn't it? You're handy at woodworking, can replace a window and a car door, you can play the banjo. Congrats! But what happens to those skills if they're separate from God? They become dust and nothing. Any accomplishment, anything that we have in this world, anything that we have in this world, 
if we have it apart from God, will simply fade. Because we will simply fade unless we are connected to God. So, my friends, for all of those things that seem to be neutral, make sure that they are not neutral in your life. Make sure they are connected to God, that you give them over to Him so that then they become a part of your relationship with God. And that's the thing that matters most to God. That is something you want to grow rich in. But here's the kicker and the last part of this homily, okay? I don't want you to have to wait. I don't want you to have to wait. I don't want you to think, I'll do that when, I, when it comes to it. When college football comes back, I'll worry about that. When I go out back to my job tomorrow on Monday, I'll worry about that. No. I want it to start right here, right now. Why wait? This is the Mass. And oftentimes, Catholics maybe misunderstand the Mass a little bit. I preached about this at St. Francis two weeks ago, at St. Mary's last week. I think I want to be able to share this with you as well. The Mass is something that has to do intimately with this which we've been talking about. Sometimes we go because, I don't know, Grandma always used to take us, Mom always used to take us, and so we have to go to Mass on Sunday. Get ready, kids. It's gonna be a day. And then we go into Mass, and what do we expect? Oh, I hope they play my favorite song today. Or, oh, I hope the homily's not too long today or all of these things. And when we go into Mass with that set of expectations, we set ourselves up for failure. We set ourselves up so that at the end of the Mass, you've said this before, don't say you haven't said it before, you walk out and you say, the Mass is boring. I don't get anything out of the Mass. Which makes you ask the question, why am I going to Mass? And let me tell you, this is why you're going to Mass. So that all of those neutral things in your life can be given over to God and they can stop being neutral. Hmm? This which we, we celebrate in the Mass is the supreme offering. It's a giving over of one thing to God the Father. It's the giving over of the Eucharist, the body of Christ, the Son to the Father. And guess what? You remember that old gather hymn? We are the body of Christ. We are the body of broken and new. Remember that hymn? Say, Father, stop singing. Okay. Um, you are, at least in some mysterious way, a part of the body of Christ. And so when the body of Christ is offered to God the Father, you are offered to God the Father. You and who you are. Do you know how that begins? It starts here in the Mass. I'll, I'll recollect for you for a moment what we just lived through. I walk down the aisle behind the cross and the book of the Gospels, and Jason played that great song on the organ. We did our penitential rite, and then I said, let us pray. And then there was a big long pause. You remember that? And you thought, did Father lose his place in the book? Why isn't he saying the words? 
There was a big long pause, and then I went through Christ our Lord, and you all went Amen. In that pause, that's an on-purpose pause. That's a moment for you to gather and recollect the most important thing that's happened to you during the course of the week. For you to think, what happened? What neutral things do I have to offer to God from the last time I've been to Mass? Maybe it's a great victory. Maybe you had an awesome thing happen at work. You had a great, you finally accomplished that task. Way to go! In that moment of silence, you say, Lord God, this is the fruit of my work, the fruit of my life, and I offer it to you, and I give it over in the sacrifice of the Mass. Maybe, maybe it was something that wasn't so good. Maybe it was a hard bit of news. Maybe you had to work really hard at something that didn't pan out, or you experienced some change that you really weren't ready for. Okay, then in that moment of silence, you say, Lord God, this is the fruit of my life. This is what I experience, and this is what I unite to the Mass, and I give over to you. I want you to have it. I want it to be yours now. And then Father says that prayer, and that prayer that follows that little chant uh, stuff, you know what that prayer is called? It's called the Collect. Uh, a little catechesis on the liturgy here for you. It's called the Collect. It's spelled C-O-L-L-E-C-T. It's like the word collect, because that's the job of that prayer, is to collect all the intention and prayers that every single soul in a hard wooden pew here at St. Lawrence has to offer. You got a thing that's a part of your life, we gather them together, and we offer them together. And then as the Mass goes on, and you get a little distracted, and you think, I don't really like that song that much, and you think, is one of those lights out? And you think, I really wish that person would be quiet. And you start to lose your focus on that intention and that thing you offer. We, we go through it all again. After this homily and the creed and the intercessions, you know what happens next in the Mass? Hey, you got this. You know this one. What happens next in the Mass? It's everyone's favorite part of the Mass. You've been looking forward to it since you came in here. You were itching to get into your wallet, get into your purse. That's right, it's the collection. Everyone's favorite part of the Mass. The baskets go around. And do you know why it's important that the baskets go around? It's not so much about the money. It's not actually about that. It's about what the money represents. Because once again, it's you offering a part of yourself. It's you giving the fruit of who you are, what I did to earn this money, what I care about, what's gone on in my life. You put it in the basket. And as the basket comes up along with the bread and the wine, which are going to be offered, so are you going up to this altar to be offered to God the Father. Does that make sense? I need that to make sense. My friends, be rich in what matters to God. Make sure all those seemingly neutral things in your life do not remain neutral, but rather avoid all that vanity and give yourself over to Him. Of you a part of the relationship that you have with God, and I promise you, your life will be filled with a meaning that you didn't know you could have, and 
this Mass, which seems so boring sometimes, will not be boring anymore, and neither will you. Be rich in what matters to God. Amen.